Welcome to Emergence Care Conversations. For more information about Emergence Care, please visit our Facebook page or go to emergencecare.com. Today, we're with Stephen Teagarden, the developer of Emergence Care, and we are going to talk about a, uh, a very weighty topic, armoring. Stephen, welcome. Let's dig right in. What Indeed. is armoring? Okay. You know, Jeff, with a lot of the concepts that support emergence care seem to be pretty deep, weighty topics, and armoring really is one of these topics. It's, it's, it's descriptive of not only our, our personality, but also of our bodies, especially when, when we're stressed or the after effect of stress that stays with us for the remainder of our lives until or unless we we deal with this armoring and so I'll I'll do my best to give you to to give the audience some understanding of where the concepts came from uh, and 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 what they mean and then how they apply to people's everyday health psychologically physiologically what we can do about armoring, why this is so important, and how you know if, you, if there's armoring in your life, and, and, and those kinds of things. Well, let's start with that. How do I know if there is armoring in my life? What, what will I notice if I am noticing armoring? Sure. Stress, fatigue, um, irritability, frustration. It seems like things are always the same. You know, no matter what I do, it kind of stays the same. I'm trying to keep my head above water. I'm trying to stay one step ahead of things. Um, I, I just can't seem to relax. I'm anxious. I'm tense. I'm, I'm good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm good. It's, it's, an, it's an overall, if you will, like an unpredictability from day to day or even you know within the same day of how am I going to feel my neck is tied up it won't release my shoulder my back my you know whether it's the body or the psyche there's just this there's an awareness of this tension and it it just doesn't seem to dissipate I seem to find myself mm, wanting to reach out but not I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not. I'm defending myself against, you know, I'm making things up in my mind. I know these people love me, but at the same time, I simultaneously, I kind of believe they're out to get me, you know. And, and this is something that everybody has experienced in one way or another. It's not like full-on imagining green men coming down to, you know, attack you. It's not, that's not armoring, that's psychosis. Armoring is just realizing I'm not really sure who I am or why I'm here, and it just seems to be hard sometimes. It's that kind of thing. So I heard you say that there was the psychological component, things that I would um, sense or feel psychologically in my being, Mm -hmm. and then there was the physical component. How do they connect? Where, okay. where does the rubber meet the road there? Okay. I'm going to go back and give a little history of armoring coming forward. So when I get to the point of how they connect, we'll have some basis to go forward from there. Okay. The, now, so we're going to go all the way back to the dark ages of Freud. Hmm. And Freud in psychoanalysis 
realized mm, there's stuff going on in people's minds here. And he postulated there is this thing called the unconscious. And in the unconscious, there are these drives. And they really push us into being in the world in a certain way. Basically, it's the, the, the ego. And, and Freud said, you know, there's often there's these problems with the way the mind works. And the mind is resistant. The mind isn't quite sure. It doesn't trust. It doesn't know what it is. So at any rate, Freud undertook, you know, a whole body of work, again, psychoanalysis, to help people with their neuroses, psychoses, by a process called psychoanalysis. A very interesting character who, who was a student of Freud, uh, a medical doctor by the name of Wilhelm Reich, who was a psychoanalyst, really did some, over the time, considered some very far-out things. Back then, psychoanalysis was not, I wouldn't say fighting for its existence, but it was a, a fledgling new discipline in in medicine that was under scrutiny. And, and you know, Freud was hearing a lot of, well, what you would expect from his peers, things along the lines of, well, hey, how do you know it's not just suggestibility? You're sitting there with a client. They're telling you all their problems. You're telling them it's this and this, and they improve. Now, how do you really know that this is helpful? And Freud said, you know, you got a good, you got a really good point. I, I can't with conviction say that, even though I believe it to be the case. So Freud was very clear about, in, in modern terms, what we would call boundaries. It was called neutrality, although Freud didn't use the term neutrality. He used the word indifference, which meant <laughs> be indifferent. Don't be involved. Don't lead the client. Don't tell them. You know, you know, it's this and this and this. And you hear, just take two of these, call me in the morning, and it'll all be good. Freud wanted people to come to thing up, you know, to, to conclusions on their own. Well, this character, Wilhelm Reich, who was really quite a radical, came along and said, you know, I get it, I get it, Freud, but I want people to, I want people to see me and feel me, not as an indifferent therapist, but I want them, to, I want to be able to connect with them, and so. Up until this time, a psychoanalyst sat in back of their client, and Reich said, I'm going to sit right across from my client. I'm going to make eye contact, and I'm going to see what's going on, and I am getting to your point, by the way. And, I, and, and what, but this was, this was really taboo up and you know, you wouldn't have done this because you were jumping right into it with the client. You were right there. You were, now you're, you're on their side. You're, you're, you're teamed up with them. Well, what Reich noticed is when, when people went through psychoanalysis, when he could see them face-to-face, -face, session after session, he said, wow, they, they look more relaxed. Their, their faces change. Their, their shoulders drop down. They don't look as, as defended. He was saying, like, I might ask somebody, how are you doing? And they would, you know, good. And, and he said, Wow. And now I ask him, how are you doing? And the guy goes, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And I'm saying, ah, so when people go through psychoanalysis, their character changes. And as a result, their body changes. They really seem to meet in the same place 
through the eyes of human experience, it's, it's, ba it's basically impossible for us to make a big distinction between consciousness and the body. In other words, I might wake up at night aware, conscious that my shoulder hurts. It's, they're basically inseparable. What Reich began to say is, it's your thoughts, it's your beliefs, and it's basically the things that you resist letting happen that causes your character to become tight, and in turn, your body becomes tight. He didn't really distinguish them. He just said character armoring, if you will, it precedes and leads to physical armoring. So Freud, he seemed to stop at the mind. He didn't go at the body um, right. because he, the way you described it, he had to be disengaged uh, because, hey, this was science and he mm -hmm. had to make it very scientific and prove that he was not influencing. So he would, but he, he didn't make the leap to the body. And what I heard you say was Reich. He says, now that I'm looking at you, I'm noticing things about the body. There's got to be a connection here. Uh, let's explore that. And Reich, if anybody was going to do this, it was him. He was the rebel. He was the guy who, you know, for all intents and purposes, toward the end of his life, was really a full-on psychotic and, you know, not right or wrong, not wanting to, to denigrate the man. He, he made fantastic contributions and then kind of spun off into his, his own direction. But, yeah, Reich was the guy who said that. Hmm. This seems to be tied to that, whereas Freud just stayed with the mind. What, and, and it's not as though Freud didn't say, wait a minute, these, these psychoses are leading to you know, maybe the palsy on the face or the, you know, the, the whatever it is going on in the body. It's not as though he didn't know that or have that recognition, but Reich took off with it, and Freud stayed with the mind, and inevitably, the way that I see it is that we've thrown Freud away and said, oh, Freud, with his, with his crazy theories, um, he had a lot of extraordinarily penetrating insights that Ultimately, he was right. It is all about the mind. But what, what happened with Reich, Reich gave way to a whole, what we would call in, in, our, in our modern world, he gave rise to what we would call body work. And it's not as though body work had never existed, that massage had, had never existed. And, you know, you know, interacting with the physical structure, of, of course it had. Um, but Reich really, it, it's like he gave permission to a society that was at that point pretty repressed when it came to those types of oh, uh, boundaries, right? So, so Reich, yeah, he, he said, let's not keep it in the mind. And really what he did is he began to put all of his emphasis on the body. Not all of his emphasis, but he began saying, look, if I were to press on these tight muscles, and if I were to really work on these, and he was doing some pretty intense body work, that it would release the character armoring. And so he was working it from the body back to the mind. Freud left it at the mind. And again, this gave, this gave rise to um, gestalt therapy, to body-centered psychotherapy, whereas Freud was mind centered psychotherapy. You wouldn't even call it mind-centered psychotherapy. There would have been no concept of right. this having to do with the body. 
Okay. So, so here we are now where we are doing a lot of things with our body, um, yoga, massage. Um, so can we feed things back through the body and release that, that character armoring that you're talking about? Okay. This is a really fantastic question. It's not quite the crux of the biscuit. It <laughs> is, by and large, though, within body work as it's done today. That is the crux of the biscuit. And generally speaking, we try and work from the body to the mind because, as Freud realized, working from mind to mind is mm, that's an uphill battle. <laughs> so it's easier to work on the body. For one, you know, you go to a psychoanalyst and 30 sessions later, you're not really sure necessarily what's taking place. And it, it may lead to a very deep opening, and that's not always the case. You know, I'm just giving an example, but I'm saying if, if you did 30 sessions with a good massage therapist or 30 yoga sessions, you know, you'd have more of an idea because we're pretty we're, – we're not saying – pretty in tune with our bodies but you know if somebody's working out the kinks in your armoring and your neck and your back you're gonna know hey i'm going and i'm seeing this therapist and so something is happening and that may feed back through to character armoring to where you're saying wow i'm more relaxed you know you go to the chiropractor and they go mm, and you say oh, i can breathe i feel a lot more peace it may be that it's short-lived, and I would say, ultimately, no, you can't go from the body and heal the mind, but I'll have to build that idea up, because I, I don't want to step on anybody's bodywork theories. That's, that's not my intent at all, but they're tied together, but it's because the body projects from the mind. The mind does not come from the body, and it's because of that that the, what's going on in the body is first going on in the mind. And if you affect the body, the mind will recreate the body. Can the mind be worked back from the body? To a certain extent, but it doesn't seem in a, in a really transcendent, lasting, deep way that it's possible. Okay, let's loop back just a little bit. Um, so we got this mind thing that is projecting this body, and... Mm -hmm. So my shoulders are very, very tight. Where did that come from? Okay. Now, body work, Freud, Reich. Reich gave way to a man named Lowen, who, for all intents and purposes, was you could say it's his protege. He really took Reichian concepts and he added yoga to them and the development of kundalini and wave-like movements and breathing and positioning the body in certain ways in an attempt to really free up the, the mind and free up the body. And as far as I can tell, this is largely where it has stopped, whether it's a pure psychoanalysis or some form of body-mind work where you're, where you're aware that, hey, the body and the mind have a, a meeting place. Nonetheless, these approaches all stop with, you know what, if your character becomes more cool, more relaxed, more peaceful, if your body becomes more relaxed, more cool, more peaceful, and you know, and you can be in the world in a more meaningful way, that's basically 
beyond what most systems can even begin to produce. And so really would be would be a top end. You know, if you could consistently meet that objective, you would say, wow, this body of work, I mean, it rocks. It really gets the job done. And it doesn't ever, though, get to the question of, hmm, where does my character armoring come from? And what does it mean? And why is it that so many people seek happiness, but they're not? Why is it that so many people are anxious, are tense, are afraid, can't sleep, have all of these physical ailments? It doesn't answer these questions because it never even asks them. It's, it's not, a, most systems, how could you really begin to contemplate that? Because you could bring it up, and it's kind of like saying, well, it, you know, it, we're asking rhetorical questions like, well, what is the universe, and how did it come into be? Was it creation or was it evolution? And then we, we fight, 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 trying to come up with ideas and then prove them, and we realize how little evidence we have to go on. We really don't know. And so to say, well, where does this character armoring come from? There's not much that really gets to that. And really, this is territory that I love to go into, and this is territory that emergence care goes into. It's not required that clientele of emergence care really go here, but for practitioners, it's essential that they understand what is the dynamic that leads to the development of character armoring, and, and why does it develop, and how does that lead to physical armoring, and then how do you interact with it in a safe, effective way that clients can really, you know, that clients can let you get to. Well, let's keep it kind of simple. Very, um, you know, the, the triune brain idea uh, and the idea of fight or flight uh, okay. seems to play a role uh, in what we've now labeled as character armoring and, uh, and definitely in physical armoring. How does, say, an emergency care practitioner affect, let's just use that word, affect my fight or flight thing that I'm in and that I've been in for years and that uh, only when I notice that I'm in it can I relax it, but I'm, I'm back there in a minute or two. Sure. You, you know, and, and like most people, I spend the majority of the years of my life feeling like I was in even a, you know, a moderate, sometimes a mild, sometimes a high state of fight or flight. And it seemed like there was nothing to, to yeah, how do you make it stop? You know, and I've, you know, worked with thousands of clients over the years and, and certainly had this fight or flight conversation with, with many clients who said, you know, it's just always there. You know, I'm always anxious, tense, nervous, upset, wired for it. I, I guess it's just how I am. And, you know, they would receive work and then say, whoa, wow, I'm, I'm aware that I'm peaceful. And that's so weird. I mean, you didn't touch me. You didn't do anything. And what did you do? So it's, it's a very important topic. Fight or flight, basically, the way that we break it down is, you know, hey, I'm freaked. I'm stressed. My, my brain is, is, if you will, one part's dissociating from another. It can't connect with the other part. And, you know, it's running amok. And I'm, you know, it's, it's like, arruga, arruga. <laughs> you know, the, the neuro, neurological and bio, biological, biochemical, neurochemical defense mechanisms are 
are at war with the, with the, the outside world, you know, in an autoimmune condition, at war with itself. And we, we basically look at it that way. And, and I'm not saying that it's not accurate. I'm saying that it's a very, very limited way of looking at reality that really anymore I hardly ever even think about because it just seems to me to be, well, far too limited to, to really go anywhere. But we have to start somewhere. And so right. it's, you know, I'm not, I want to, I'm going to disregard it and throw it out. Um, so we'll go forward from it. The idea, again, of fight or flight, I, I, I'm, seems like I'm predisposed to do one or the other, fight, flight, or freeze, you know, somewhere in the middle. And this response, if you will, really does commonly seem to dissipate when people are receiving emergence care. Uh, I've certainly seen and, and heard from many clients that this is the case. But what really excites me is not when somebody can go through the world with a diminished or a manageable fight or flight. Again, very helpful. But when they can begin to get in touch with, well, where does this come from? I've been saying it's my, it's my job. It's my finances. It's my, it's my boss. If you had my boss, you know, you, you'd understand. You'd be in fight or flight too. But they never stop to go. Now wait a minute. Why don't I get a different job? And realize that there's something in the character that is seeking this dynamic. That is looking for this dynamic. Instead of saying it's my circumstances, what we recognize in emergence care is there is something within the dynamic of the personality you could say the ego you could say as the term that Wright came up with the armored character that there is something within that construct that we're all identified as that is seeking this out wait a minute Stephen are you trying to tell me that I am more comfortable armored up and that's what I'm seeking. Listen to part two of this discussion of armoring, of conversation with Stephen T. Garden. More information at emergencecare.com.